If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you will be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. The Apostle Paul said believers should be anxious for nothing. But for lots of people, that's easier said than done. Are you one of them? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah shares some biblical wisdom to help you get rid of worry and stress and start experiencing the peace and serenity God intends for his children. Here's David to introduce the conclusion of his message, A Life of Peace. We are finishing up the month of June today with a message on peace, how to have peace in your life, a life of peace. The Bible teaches there are three different kinds of peace, all of them related to God. There's peace with God. That's what happens when you become a Christian. The hostility between you and your Creator is gone. And then there's a peace that comes from God. When God speaks into a situation and peace comes, the most important kind of peace is the peace of God which lives in your heart when you become a Christian, that's what you get. And that's why you read the peace of God, which passes all understanding. What that means is that when you're going through things that everybody around you are going through, and you have a calmness and a peace about you, they don't understand it. Frankly, you can't even explain it to them. It's unexplainable until you have it yourself. How God can give you a peace in your heart when everything has fallen apart around you. I've experienced that. I know he can do that. He will do that. He promises that. Uh, He is our peace. Today, we're going to finish up what we started yesterday. But before we do that, one last time to tell you about the resource for the month of June. It's the beautiful little 200-page book, Answers to Questions About Spiritual Warfare. Um, Here, you're going to find answers to Dozens and dozens of questions about this subject, which is beginning to be talked about more and more in our churches as the world around us seems to be deteriorating. And it's not too late for you to send a gift to Turning Point and have it count in June. When you do that, ask for your copy of this book. Your gift is so important. We thank you. And for all of you who have participated with us in this month of uh, collecting uh, and asking and and, uh, giving, because it's the last month of the fiscal year. For all of you who have helped us in a special way, a very personal thank you for what you've done. You're going to make it possible for us to go forward with our hands up high in victory, reaching many more people with the gospel. You can still get the material for the Spiritual Warfare series, the study guide, and the set of CDs. I hope you'll do that. Take advantage of what we've done to prepare all of this so you can take it and distribute it. You can be a preacher in your own right by taking this truth and sharing it with others. Well, let's get started now with the last part of this message on peace. Here is The Life of Peace, Part 2. Anyone can have peace when things are going well, when all is well at home, when physical health is at its zenith, when your financial problems are not too great, and when your children are halfway behaving. You can be at peace when everything's going well. And it is no credit to us when we have peace in those circumstances because the world has that kind of peace. 
But when we can have peace in the midst of difficult times, that is the testimony of the peace from God. And this peace is not just quiet tension. Some people think quiet tension is peace. It is just compressed anxiety. Too often we think that we are trusting when we're just controlling our panic. True peace is not only a calm exterior, true peace is a quiet heart. There's a wonderful moment that the Apostle John records in his gospel that brings together this truth about the peace we now have with God. Jesus is in a room making his first post-resurrection appearance to his gathered disciples. And then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. It is what he did next that perfectly illustrates what we have been talking about in these last few verses. For the next verse in John chapter 20 says this, And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. He was showing them his hands and his side, obviously for the purpose of identifying himself to them. But I believe he was also saying, These wounds are why I can say to you, Peace be with you. His death on the cross made it possible for him to offer us the peace we so desperately crave. But here's the best news of all. There's not only peace with God and the peace from God, but there's the peace of God. It's the best of all. We read about this in Philippians chapter 4. Here's what Paul wrote to the Philippian believers. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now watch this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. When the apostle wrote these words, he was a prisoner in Rome. In that cold and lightless dungeon, Paul relied on the peace of God to keep him going. He spoke of an inner calm, a serenity of soul, an inner peace born of faith and trust in God. And I ask myself, as I ask all of you today, do we enjoy that kind of peace? Are we able to have that inner calmness? Do we have that quiet assurance that is, well, it's saying to us all is well, even though the outward circumstances may be dictating chaos? Here's a good test. Can you sleep at night? Psalm 4.8 says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. No matter what goes on during the day, no matter what problems are in your life, no matter what frustrations you are having at work, no matter what's happening in school or with the other members of your family, can you come at the end of the day and even during the middle of the day know that while everything is going crazy out there, there's that quiet center in your life that keeps you going in the right direction? The peace of God acts, according to Paul, as a sentinel or a soldier who walks back and forth in the front of the door of your heart to provide security. The picture here is that our hearts and our minds are always under assault. Guilt, worries, threats, confusions, uncertainties, they all threaten our peace. And Paul says that God wants to guard our hearts and minds, and he guards our hearts with his peace when we commit ourselves to him. I like that picture of my heart and God's soldier walking back and forth in front of the door to keep all the junk out that would come in and 
destroy my peace. He guards our hearts in a way that goes beyond what human understanding can fathom. Philippians 4.9 tells us something even better, that while we have the peace of God guarding us from the outside, we actually have the God of peace protecting us from the inside. Verse 9 says, and the God of peace will be with you. If there's anything better than the peace of God, it has to be the God of peace. (laughs) Give me a choice. Do you want the peace of God or do you want the God of peace? I'll take the latter. (laughs) And the Bible says that the peace of God is guarding the outside of your heart, but the God of peace is in your heart, keeping you calm in the midst of stress. As we look back at the wonder of God's peace, I want to encourage you to cultivate that peace in your life. And there are four main highways upon which the peace of God travels. The Spirit of God, the Son of God, the Word of God, and prayer. I want to say just a few words about each one of them. First of all, peace in the Spirit of God. Did you know that when Jesus was teaching his disciples and telling them that he was going to have to go back to heaven, he told them that it was a good thing he was going back to heaven because when he was going to go back to heaven, he was going to send the Holy Spirit down to take his place. You say, well, how could the Holy Spirit be better than the Son of God in one way? When Jesus Christ was on this earth, he confined himself to the limitations of his human body so that Jesus was where he was while he was on this earth, only where he could be personally. And as you know the story of the Bible, Jesus really never left. He never left the land of Israel. But he said, when I go back to heaven, I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit, and he will not be so confined. The Holy Spirit will come to live within the heart of every single person who puts their trust in me. Therefore, through the Holy Spirit, I will be available to you wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever happens to you. The Bible teaches us that when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within our hearts and becomes our perpetual, eternal Savior. John 16, Jesus finished his speech to his disciples about his going back to heaven and said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. When you have the Holy Spirit in your heart, you have the possibility of peace in your life. And the Bible says that peace is the inevitable result of the Holy Spirit controlling your life. So how can I tell if I'm controlled by the Holy Spirit of God? By the quietness within me when there's turmoil around me. How do I know if the Holy Spirit's working that peace in my life when I have some moments when everything should be coming unglued and I just feel this little sense in my heart, I'm going to be okay. God is with me. I'm going to make it. That's what God says he will give to us through his spirit. And then the peace of the Son of God. If you don't have Christ, you don't have any peace. But if you know Christ, you can have peace. When Jesus was preparing his disciples for his departure from them, he encouraged them with these words. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Just a few verses later, Jesus expounded on his earlier promise. He said, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Now, to be honest with you, he said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. Some of you remember, and others of you have read about the dark days in England during World War II, when the terrible blitz by the Germans upon that land was in full force. 
Bombs were raining down on the city all of the time. The people were afraid and their hearts were failing them with fear. And then a man whom they greatly respected would go to the microphone and he would begin to speak. And that one man's voice would ring out over the nation and the people would listen and they would take heart again and the morale would be strong for Winston Churchill would inspire them to new hope and new belief. Winston Churchill is one of my favorite characters of history and I have a bust of him in my office at home that I bought in England one time when I was there. But what Winston Churchill did for the people of England is what Jesus Christ does for us. He comes to us in the midst of the struggle when the battle is almost unbearable and the circumstances look impossible and he speaks peace to us. And he gives us the encouragement that we need for our morale to go up and then we can go back into the battle and be victorious. In his book, Deserted by God, author and pastor Sinclair Ferguson shares the following story. He says, the first physician to die of the AIDS virus in the United Kingdom was a young Christian. He had contracted AIDS while doing medical research in Zimbabwe. In the last days of his life, his power of communication failed, and he struggled with increasing difficulty to express his thoughts to his wife. On one occasion, she simply could not understand his message, and he wrote a notepad and just wrote the letter J. So she ran through her medical dictionary saying various words beginning with J. None was right. Then she said, Jesus. And that was the right word. Jesus was with them. That was all either of them needed to know, and that's always enough. Jesus speaks peace into our sorrows and strength into our weakness and courage into our fear. Henry Nouwen said, keep your eyes on the Prince of Peace the one who doesn't cling to his divine power, the one who refuses to turn stones into bread, jump from great heights and rule with great power, the one who touches the lame, the crippled, and the blind, the one who speaks words of forgiveness and encouragement. Keep your eyes on him who became poor with the poor, weak with the weak. He is the source of all peace. I love this question that is tucked away in the book of Job. I never realized this was there. I've read the book of Job a lot of times, but this one escaped me. But it's worth writing down. Job 34, 29. When he gives quietness, who then can make trouble? <laughs> Isn't that a great verse? If he, and this is obviously speaking of God, if he then brings quietness here, who's going to make trouble? Here's my prayer for all of us borrowed from the prayer Paul prayed for his friends in Thessalonica. Here's what he prayed. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. That's my prayer. Then there's peace in the word of God. Did you know that the psalmist gives us in his book the longest chapter in the Bible? How many verses are in Psalm 119? I'm sure some of you know. 176. And one of the interesting things about Psalm 119 and the 176 verses is almost all of these verses, with the possible exception of one or two, almost all of these verses have a synonym in the verse for the Bible. So if you read this, it's all about the Word of God. And then the synonyms are like statutes and commandments and all of that sort of thing. But here's the interesting thing. Just 11 verses from the end of that psalm, David writes this verse. Listen carefully. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing shall cause them to stumble. 
Did you know that of the 27 New Testament books, 18 of those books begin with the greeting of peace? And did you notice it's always grace and peace, not peace and grace, because you can't have peace till you get grace. <laughs> grace is always first. There's no exception. Grace and peace. The book of Philippians starts like this. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. Grace and peace from the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father. In every instance, in every situation, peace is our promise from the Lord. Let us acquire the resolve of the psalmist when it comes to our response to the Word of God. He wrote in Psalm 85, 8, I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. I will hear what God the Lord will have to say. Because when I listen to him, he speaks peace. Did you know that the Bible is the key to your peace? That when you read the scriptures, God's peace jumps out at you. When I'm going through some times and I don't know what to do, I try to find a way to spend more time in the scripture. Not to prepare a sermon, but for my own help and encouragement. And once in a while, you guys, you should memorize a few verses from this book because they act as anti-terrorism agents in your life. So when bad stuff is happening and terror is going on, you know there's a verse someplace you can grab hold of and use it as a weapon against anxiety. And finally, there's peace and prayer. Listen to what Paul says to the Philippians in chapter 4. Be anxious for nothing. Listen to this. Anxious means worried. Did you know that the old King James of this verse says, be careful for nothing. I always thought that was kind of like a proof text for when you're a teenager. Be careful for nothing. And then I realized the word careful means anxiety. Be anxious for nothing, says the Scripture. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Now here's the way I sort that out in my mind. In essence, Paul says the Christian life is composed of three circles. First of all, there's the worry circle or the anxiety circle. And if you read the text, what belongs in that circle? Be anxious for what? Nothing. And then there's the prayer circle. And what should you pray about? What goes in the prayer circle? Everything. And then there's the thanksgiving circle. And what goes in that circle? Anything that God does for you, always be thankful. In the very act of being thankful for what God has done for you, he begins to dissipate the anxiety that's trying to hurt your heart. So in other words, we must be anxious for nothing, prayerful for everything, and thankful for anything. That's the kind of peace that never fails to produce that quiet center in your heart. Some years ago, I was given the opportunity to speak at the Moody Pastors Conference in Chicago. I spoke there on a Wednesday night, and I was supposed to come home the next day. There were a thousand pastors at this event, and what I most remember about my being there was not my message, but hearing those guys sing. Have you ever heard a thousand pastors sing? Oh my goodness, it's the most amazing thing you ever heard in your life. It kind of reminded me of the first day I went to chapel when I was a student at Dallas Seminary, and in this old stone chapel with walls that reverberated, I went in there for the first time, and the whole seminary 
of men stood up to sing, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It was an amazing experience. After I went back to my room that night, I decided to catch an earlier flight home the next day that was to leave at 7 a.m. As I was getting ready for bed, I began to calculate how early I would have to get up in order to make that flight. On my time, which was two hours earlier, I asked for a 2.30 wake-up call. I made it to the airport in plenty of time, and I went to my gate only to discover that my flight was delayed for an hour, which later became two hours. You guys know what that's all about. So since I was going to have a two-hour delay, and I belonged to the Admiral's Club, which is an American Airlines thing for people who fly a lot, when I checked in, I asked the young lady at the desk if she knew what was going on with my flight. She said, there's a storm hovering over Chicago. Would you like to see it? I said, what do you mean? She said, well, come around here, and I'll show you the storm on my computer screen. So I went around to the welcome desk, and there on the screen of her computer, I could see the storm. Here was Chicago, and surrounding it was this red mass. That red mass literally swallowed Chicago up on the screen. And we were right in the center of the storm. The storm was over the top of Chicago, so no planes could land and no planes could take off. Everything was shut down. So I went back, sat down in my comfortable chair, and began working on my computer. This particular Admiral's Club is a room surrounded by windows. And for the next few moments, I watched as the storm I had seen on the computer rolled into the city of Chicago. All of a sudden, I saw this ferocious storm, the rain beating against the glass windows. You could actually see the windows moving with the pressure of the wind and the rain. I had a moment of clarity right then, a moment of truth. I was surrounded by a storm. In fact, I was sitting at the very center of that storm. But I was sitting in a comfortable chair with a cup of coffee in my hands, working on my computer, and I was just as safe as anybody could be. I was sheltered in the midst of the storm. And I remembered this psalm. Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. For you have been a shelter for me. Just as the Admiral's Club was the shelter in the midst of that physical storm, the Lord Jesus Christ has more than I can count sheltered me in the midst of personal storms. When I didn't know what was going to happen and the storm seemed almost unbearable, down in the quiet place in my heart where no one can see but God himself, there was this quiet peace that was beyond my understanding and didn't seem rational because it wasn't. It was supra-rational. It was the peace of God which passes all understanding. And that's the peace God wants you and me to have. That's his gift to us. He has bequeathed it to us and made it a legacy of the cross. And if you will receive him, first of all, you can have peace with God. But after you become a Christian, you can know the peace that comes from God. And most of all, you can learn how to accept the peace of God and the God of peace who lives within your heart. And you will be better. And in this crazy world, which seems to be spinning out of control, you will be the only stable thing in your whole neighborhood. (laughs) And people will look at you and say, what's wrong with him? 
Isn't he reading the news? Isn't he hearing the story? Oh yeah, we hear the story, but we're sheltered by the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a thing happens to us when Christ comes. We have that center of peace where there's been chaos and, and hunger and unrest. Jesus Christ brings peace. He comes into that space in your life that was created for God alone. God created you with a vacuum. It can only be filled by Jesus Christ. And when he's at home in your heart, you have a sense of peace you can't have any other way. I recommend him to you. I encourage you, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, stop for a moment. Find a quiet place. Ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. Confess your sin. Repent of your sin and determine to follow him for the rest of your life. We thank you again for being a part of this study time here on the radio. And we look forward to seeing you again next time when we begin to discuss what the Bible says about angels. A lot of discussion still going on about that subject. Maybe you've had some questions about it. Well, we'll just tell you what the Bible says, and you'll be surprised at some of the things you'll learn, some of the things that are true about what's happening today, and some of the things that aren't true. All of them judged through the lens of the Scripture. Next, right here on Turning Point, I'm David Jeremiah. Thank you so much for listening. Today's message came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church, where Dr. David Jeremiah serves as senior pastor. Will you tell us one way that you're being blessed by Turning Point? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Answers to Questions About Spiritual Warfare. It's a great way to stay on guard and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we begin the series Angels here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible, drawing on more than 40 years of study by Dr. David Jeremiah. Take your personal Bible study deeper with unique introductions to each book of the Bible. 55 full-page articles exploring the essential themes of the Christian life. 8,000 study notes with insightful and practical content, an extensive cross-reference system, and helpful sidebars that extend to topics beyond the study notes. You can also take advantage of online resources available to you at jeremiahstudybible.com. Great for individual or small group studies, this Bible is available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print with several cover options. For more information or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. Sometimes a family pet may stop eating and spend an unusual amount of time sleeping or resting. Our tendency is to make them better with remedies. But animals seem to know instinctively that the first thing, and often the best thing to do, is to rest and wait for healing to come naturally. 
Now, I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't take our pet to the vet. Rather, that we might imitate them when we are feeling out of sorts. Instead of trying to fix our problem with activity, perhaps we need rest. To grow quiet enough to hear God's still, small voice speaking to our heart. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's still, small voice on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.